Amen. Thank you to our worship team for leading us in worship. They always do a marvelous job uh, week in and week out. Uh, and thank you, Jen, for your Advent uh, devotion uh, that I hit home today. Uh, just reflecting on the joy uh, that we should, uh, should, can, and will experience uh, worshiping together as a body of believers uh, when a lot of people out there in the world, uh, more than we probably uh, think, uh, don't have that same privilege uh, that we do, and uh, we need to avoid uh, losing the joy in a meeting together. So thank you to Jen and the worship team there. So growing up, uh, I was a very well-behaved kid, a goodie. I know... Already laughing, man. Uh, you guys don't believe that, do you? Uh, I was, really, honestly... Yeah, not supposed to lie. Honest, honest to goodness, I was a goody two-shoes. Uh, it's sad that it's hard for some of you guys to believe. But I was. A uh, big reason as to why uh, I was a goody two-shoes uh, is because uh, I was terrified uh, of getting in trouble, and I hated letting people down. Those were really uh, the two driving forces looking back on why I was a goody two-shoes uh, growing up because... I was just scared of getting in trouble, and I was, uh, I hated letting people down. To this day, I still uh, terrified of getting in trouble, and I hate letting people down. And uh, so growing up, I, I didn't cause, I, I would like to think, I didn't cause my parents too many uh, issues. Um, I had a near flawless spanking record. But, but I, have one, I have one blemish on my spanking record. And, and I don't recall if I've shared this story with you guys or not. If I have, you guys remember this, so just bear with me. Uh, but one night uh, when I was about eight years old, uh, I went to bed and all was good. Uh, I went to bed just fine. Uh, after I had fallen asleep uh, for a couple of hours, uh, I woke up and I peed my bed. Uh, who's been there? Who, who remembers a time as a kid that you peed your bed? Come on, guys, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Jacob, Colin, and Brian. Uh, you guys can sympathize with me, and your parents can sympathize uh, with my parents. Uh, and so I, I, I was really too old. I, I don't remember exactly how old I was. I, my best guess is around eight years old, which is really probably too old uh, to be uh, peeing my bed. Um, and my brother and I, uh, we shared uh, a room in our basement, uh, and everyone else, uh, they slept upstairs. And so I made the journey upstairs to go tell my mom that I peed my pants. There's no way I was going to tell my dad that I peed my pants, because I'm guessing like a lot of uh, your parents out there, your mother would handle that news a lot with a lot more grace than your father. Uh, I know with the case Jamie and I, uh, that, that would definitely be the case. Jamie would definitely be the parent to tell. Uh, she's got a lot more patience uh, than I do in that sort of thing. Uh, bless her heart. Uh, but the only issue uh, that I had uh, was my dad was still awake in the living room, and I needed to walk past the living room to get to my parents' bedroom. So what does every reasonable little boy do in this circumstance? They're trying to crawl through past the living room, past my dad uh, at night as he's awake, but everyone else is asleep, trying to get to my mom to tell her that I peed my pants at bed. Uh, my only flaw that night is I got, I got caught. Uh, I was not able uh, to conceal the truth to my dad. And uh, so I was trying to hide this truth from my dad. And uh, because of that, uh, because I, I was not being truthful and honest and open with my father, uh, my father uh, right then and there, 
there, uh, he gave me a spanking, and I, I think I still feel that pain today. Uh, it's the one blemish on my spanking report, uh, and, and it was due uh, to me not being truthful and honest. And I don't know if this is a, a result uh, of it being my one blemish on my uh, spanking report or not, uh, but being truthful and, and open and honest is such a big deal to me. I, I cannot stand when someone is being dishonest, and not even necessarily if they are flat out lying, but, but if they're trying to conceal the truth to me. I, I cannot stand that. Be open, be honest with me. Uh, if we do, uh, we'll, we'll be much better off. Um, how many of you guys, be, being honest and open and truthful to others is such a big deal to you? Yeah, a handful of us uh, this morning. Uh, I'm sure we have all been burned uh, by dishonesty in our past. Uh, someone not being honest with you and, and it just bothers you like crazy. Uh, you, you've lost your trust in that person a bit. Or maybe you were there uh, when I was, uh, where I was when I was a kid, uh, trying to lie and conceal uh, the truth from someone else and imagining uh, the hurt and pain that it would cause them uh, from me trying uh, to hide and be dishonest about what is really taking place. You know, sometimes uh, people, they tell lies uh, to try and benefit themselves. I think that's uh, a result of uh, the culture, the world that we live in. We live in a world uh, where people are scratching and clawing their way to get the top of the social ladder. I think that leads a lot of times people to lie. They, they, they want to conceal the truth, whatever unfortunate truth about themselves or about their loved ones that they don't want other people uh, to know, they then take, they, they, they then be dishonest with other people. And, and it's not a pleasant place uh, to be at times uh, around people who are dishonest. We, we've all been there, whether we've been that dishonest person or, or we've been around other people who are dishonest. But I have good news for you guys this morning is hope is here. Hope is here this morning. As in the midst of the fallen and the broken and the dishonest world that we live in, we have hope. This Christmas season, our hope is found in the birth of Christ Jesus. And we continue our series this morning on Hope is Here by continuing to look at Old Testament uh, assurances of Jesus. Last week, uh, we took a look at the first gospel message in Genesis chapter 3 uh, that the offspring of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, uh, who, who we later find out is Satan himself. And, and we find out that's Christ Jesus. Jesus is the one who's going to crush the head of Satan. He's going to defeat the main bad guy and in this world, and he's going to defeat the main problem that we experience as human beings. And that's not death, but it's sin. Sin is the main enemy in our lives. And Christ has come to bring victory over Satan and sin once and for all. And we were sure of that all the way back from the beginning in Genesis chapter 3 when uh, God tells uh, the, the serpent that uh, the offspring of the woman would uh, strike or, or crush or bruise uh, your head. And so he, he would have victory over the bad guys. And today, uh, we're going to see how Jesus fulfills uh, another assurance of the Old Testament. Uh, this time, uh, Jesus fulfills an assurance uh, that God gives to his servant, Abraham. We can know uh, with pretty near certainty that Abraham lived about 2,000 years before Jesus. Uh, the story of Abraham is a rather remarkable one. Uh, we won't uh, dive too deep into the story of Abraham this morning. You can read all about Abraham uh, in Genesis chapter 
chapters 12 through 25, all about uh, the story of Abraham and who he was. Uh, if you aren't too familiar with Abraham, I'd strongly encourage you this week to take a look at Genesis chapters 12 through 25 and, and digest uh, who Abraham was and what he went through. Uh, but Abraham, he, he was married uh, to a gal named Sarah. And when Abraham was 75 years old, uh, the two of them did not have any kids. But hope was present. God told Abraham that his descendants would be numerous. Now, the issue is about 20 years uh, later, over 20 years later, they still had zero children. Zero children more than 20 years after God promised Abraham that his descendants would be as numerous as the stars uh, of the sky, um, as numerous as the sand of the seashore, the, the dust of the earth, you name it. And, and because of their lack of faith, Abraham and Sarah, Abraham went and laid with Hagar, uh, Sarah's servant. But, but that wasn't meant to be. That, 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 that is not what God intended when God said that Abraham's descendants would be numerous. And at long last, Sarah gave birth to their first child, Isaac. And, and, and what a blessing that would have been for Abraham and Sarah for over 20 years, over 20 years, they were waiting for the birth of a child. For God said that their descendants would be numerous and they had zero descendants. But lo and behold, over 20 years later, about 25 years later, after God initially said that their descendants would be numerous, God delivers on this assurance or this promise that uh, the, the beginning of this assurance that their descendants would be numerous. So after uh, some time had passed, after uh, their son Isaac had been born, uh, God reached out to Abraham again in a very, very emotional story. And we're going to read uh, that emotional story uh, this morning in Genesis chapter 22. And unfortunately, uh, for the sake of time, we can't take a deep dive into uh, this story. Uh, so we're just going to go ahead and read this in one big chunk. Uh, but like I mentioned, this, this is a very, very emotional story. I love, I'm a numbers guy. I love making lists and ranking things. I've been known uh, to have about 20 uh, top five favorite foods. Um, uh, but some of you guys didn't catch that. Uh, but... <laughs> I would uh, probably say uh, this is one of the top three most emotional stories for me in the scriptures, and it might actually be one of three uh, at the top of the list here of emotional stories. And so in Genesis chapter two, starting off in, in, in chapter, or starting off in verse one, after some time that uh, Sarah gave birth to Isaac, their, their one and only son together, it reads in verse one, after these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, 
but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. They went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. But Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. He said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God. Seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. So again, God told uh, Abraham that his descendants uh, would be numerous. And at long last, uh, he finally has a child with his wife, Sarah. Sometime later, it's not exactly clear how much later, uh, but Isaac is old enough uh, to carry wood for fire and he's uh, able to carry on an intelligent uh, conversation with his father. Um, And and here we see for the very uh, first time in the scriptures, uh, the verb test occurs in the Bible as God tested Abraham's faith and his obedience. And God told Abraham to sacrifice his son, Isaac. That's an important uh, side note for us to understand that God does not condone child sacrifice. Many other religions uh, throughout the time of Abraham and later, they they did practice child sacrifice. And God strictly, very strictly tells the Israelites not to partake in in some of these uh, practices uh, of these foreign religions, including the practice of child sacrifice. Unfortunately, if you read through uh, the account of the Israelites, they, they, they didn't listen, and, and they sacrificed their own kids to foreign gods, uh, which uh, that just makes me want to vomit, uh, uh, thinking uh, of these Israelites, the people of God, sacrificing their kids to foreign gods. Uh, but this is not what God wanted. But nevertheless, God was testing Abraham, and God told Abraham to go and sacrifice his son, Isaac, his one and only son that, and whom he had with his wife. And so Abraham, Isaac, and two men, they go on a three-day journey from Beersheba to Mount Moriah. That's about a 45-mile journey. And so for three days, they're traveling on this 45-mile journey. And a lot of times, Scripture, especially in the Old Testament, they, 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 they don't dive too deep into the details. And I so, so wish we would have got a more detailed account of what took place throughout uh, these three days. But I can just imagine the emotions and the turmoil that must have been going through Abraham and his mind and his heart at that time as he's preparing to sacrifice, to kill his beloved son, Isaac. When I was reading uh, that just uh, a a minute ago, this this chunk of scripture, I couldn't help but but think uh, of going on a journey with Ezra and, and preparing to slaughter my son Ezra as God is putting me to the test. And, and the emotions, when, when you personalize that, as you fathers out there and, and your, your, your firstborn son, your, your possibly your only son, going to sacrifice him on an altar, uh, what an emotional time that would have been. 
So we don't have too many details, but we, but we do hear this heartbreaking uh, quote uh, from Isaac as uh, Isaac realizes uh, that, they, that they don't have a sacrifice for the offering. He says, Dad, Dad we, got, we got the wood and we got the fire uh, for the offering, but where's the sacrifice? Oh man, uh, Abraham, I don't know if he's bawling at this point in time or if he's remaining strong on the inside, strong for his son, but he says, God will provide. And I really think Abraham believed that, that God will provide. We later find out uh, in the book of Hebrews chapter 11 that Abraham reasoned that he could even raise his son from the dead. This must have been a realization that, that this really could have taken place, that Abraham, he was really thinking that he was going to have to slaughter his son as a test from God, a son that was promised to him from God. My, oh, my, the emotions. But lo and behold, as Abraham is getting ready to sacrifice his son with his knife in his hand, Abraham was right. God provides. God provides a ram for Abraham to sacrifice. And so Abraham, he passed this test of faith and obedience. And so why, why this morning and talking about here is hope and talking about this Christmas season, why do we talk about this extremely emotional story other than the fact that I love a good emotional story. Uh, we, we read this emotional story because of the tremendous repercussions of this. And we can read of the repercussions of this test that Abraham passes, starting in verse 15. It says, And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all, not some, not most, but all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham lived at Beersheba. And so because of Abraham's obedience in this test that God put him through, and because he passed this test with flying colors, God told Abraham that I'm blessing you. I'm blessing you, and your offspring are going to be as numerous as the stars of the sky and as numerous as the sand on the seashore. In other words, you aren't going to be able to count them. You can't count the stars of the sky. You, you can't count the sand of the seashore. And on top of that, because you have obeyed me, Abraham, your offspring and your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. <laughs> that, that is quite the statement there. Saying, Abraham, because of your obedience, because of your faith in me, through your offspring, I'm going to bless the entire world. I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. And there's only one human being who blesses all of the nations of the earth. And in our church setting, the answer is pretty obvious. That person is Christ Jesus. Jesus is the only, the only human being throughout all of history who has blessed every nation of the earth as it's through Jesus that all nations of the earth have access to eternal life. As Jesus, he died for the sins of the world. And all we have to do 
is put our faith in him and his father. And with a living and active faith, we can accept the free gift. It's free to us. We, we, we don't have to pay a price. Christ paid the price for us. And so it's free to us. All we have to do is accept that free gift of eternal life through faith. And so it's through our living and active faith through Christ Jesus that we can accept the free gift of eternal life. Now, the unfortunate truth is not every person accepts that free gift, which has to be by far the most foolish decision that someone can make in their life to not accept a free gift of eternal life. I mean, kids never go by Christmas morning without accepting the gifts that their parents give them. I do not know a single person who rejected a gift that their loving parent gave to them. That'd be foolish. And all the more, our loving Father has granted us a free gift of eternal life. And all we have to do is accept that through faith. The unfortunate truth, Jesus later reveals uh, through uh, his teachings, that only a few, only a few will accept this free gift of eternal life. So the majority of mankind is making by far the most foolish decision that you can make by not accepting that free gift. But nevertheless, this opportunity is for all nations of the earth. As Jesus, he was crucified right outside the city of Jerusalem. Many scholars uh, believe that the temple of Jerusalem was actually built at the same location that Abraham was about to sacrifice his son Isaac, Mount Moriah. I love the poetry there. I love the parallelism. As God provided an offering uh, to sacrifice for Abraham on Mount Moriah about 2,000 years before Christ was born. And about 2,000 years later, God provides the ultimate offering, his beloved son, right next to the same location 2,000 years ago where God provides. And so the, the name of the place, the mountain of the Lord, it shall be provided. That name so fitting as God provided the ultimate offering, the ultimate sacrifices. Jesus fulfills this blessing, this blessing of Abraham in, in verse 18, that all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Jesus fulfills that in almost the same exact location that that blessing was given. That is awesome. And the only thing that, that we have left to confirm then is if Jesus is one of the many offspring of Abraham. As we all understand that, that Jesus is the one human being up to this point in time that has truly blessed all uh, of the nations of the earth. And so the only thing that, that we have yet to verify to confirm that Jesus is this offspring in verse 18 is to verify that he is the offspring of Abraham. And so thank goodness for the account of Matthew. Four different people wrote about the life and the ministry of Jesus, and they're known as the four gospels. Each of these writers, they have different objectives, different target audiences in their writing. Well, Matthew, a tax collector who was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, was writing this count of Jesus to the Jews. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Matthew chapter 1. Thank goodness for uh, this account here. Matthew uh, chapter one, uh, Matthew here, he, he's writing again to the Jews here. And if I had uh, th this task of writing to the Jews about uh, the man Jesus of Nazareth, 
I would try my best to prove that Jesus is the Messiah that is promised from the Old Testament, that Jesus is a fulfillment uh, 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 of this promise in the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 22, that Jesus is the offspring, that he is the chosen one of God, that, that he is the one that God has had in this mind all this time. That, that, that would be one of my main objectives if I were given that task of writing about the life and ministry to a, a group of Jews who have been waiting for the arrival of the Messiah. And it appears that that's uh, the, the sort of approach that, that Matthew took in his uh, gospel, in, in this short book, this letter that he wrote as well. In Matthew chapter 1, verse 1, Matthew opens up uh, his uh, short testament about the life and ministry of Jesus in this way. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. That's, that's a brilliant way. To, to start uh, the, the New Testament in my eyes, as Matthew's here writing to a group of Jews who have firm belief in David, have a firm belief in Abraham, and have a firm belief in the promises that God gave to Abraham and, and, and the promises that he gave to David. Next week, uh, we're talking about the, the assurances uh, that God gave to David. We're not talking about uh, that today. We'll be talking about that uh, next week. Uh, but here we see uh, Matthew, he goes through uh, in, in quite a bit of detail the genealogy of Jesus, and essentially he traces that Jesus is the offspring of Abraham. In other words, Matthew here is making the, the, the claim that Jesus here, he could be the fulfillment of this prophecy, of this blessing, of this assurance that God foretold in Genesis chapter 22, that through your offspring, Abraham, I would bless all the nations of the earth. And of course, the, the, the clincher to, to prove that Jesus is the Messiah is the resurrection. But this is the beginning of this claim. The beginning of the claim that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He is the guy that, that God has been talking about for thousands of years to the Israelites. Now we have just one hiccup uh, with, with this account. Uh, in, in this uh, genealogy uh, of Matthew, uh, most people uh, assume for, for good reason that this is uh, the genealogy of Jesus through his father, Joseph. Some of us, that may be lighting off a light bulb because uh, Jesus was miraculously conceived by the Holy Spirit, not by Joseph. And so some people ha have a, a slight issue with this, and, and maybe Jesus is not uh, the offspring of Abraham, as this is uh, the, the genealogy of his uh, earthly father, Joseph, uh, and Jesus did not have any of the blood of Joseph, uh, his earthly father. Now, there, there's a couple of solutions uh, that we can uh, present to you all uh, this morning uh, to, to this hiccup here. Uh, number one, uh, the Jews had a custom of keeping records of descent through the father. And this wasn't uh, just the Jews. Uh, th th this was really uh, common uh, throughout the world, uh, that these records would be uh, kept uh, through the lineage of the fathers, uh, not necessarily uh, the mothers. And so legally, the Jews of Jesus' day looked on Jesus as the son of Joseph. You know, that we, we read about this in John uh, 6, 42. Uh, they identify Jesus as the son of Joseph. They say, is, is this not the, the, the son of Joseph? And so in legal terms, 
Jesus very much was the son of David and the son of Abraham. As we track that, that lineage through uh, the, the fathers, the descent of the fathers, not uh, the, the descent of the mothers. And so in legal terms, Jesus very, very, very much the son of David and, and the son of Abraham. And so legal terms, he is the offspring of Abraham. Another uh, possible uh, solution that we have is we have uh, this genealogy of Jesus in Matthew uh, chapter 1, but we also have uh, another genealogy of Jesus in the book of Luke. And if you study both of these uh, genealogies, you'll notice that they don't exactly uh, match up, especially after David. If you were to uh, look through uh, the, these different uh, genealogies, uh, after David, uh, the, the genealogies, they, they do not match up. And so one solution uh, that, that people then think of the genealogy provided in Luke is that this is really a, a genealogy of Mary. And in this genealogy, we won't uh, read through this genealogy in Luke, but in this genealogy uh, that uh, Luke provides in chapter three, uh, we, we see that Jesus is the son of both Abraham and he is the son of David. And so some people read that genealogy in uh, Luke chapter 3, thinking that that's really uh, the, the, the genealogy uh, of Mary. And so Jesus then literally would have the blood of David and the blood of Abraham. That, that, that's not a, a universal opinion there, uh, but, but that is uh, one solution uh, to this hiccup uh, and talk about these genealogies and, and Jesus uh, being uh, the son of Joseph, even though uh, he, he did not have uh, the DNA of Joseph. Joseph. And so you can, you can take it either way. Bo both solutions work for me. In legal terms, Jesus was the offspring of Abraham. He very much was the, the, the son of Abraham. And some people think you, you can take it in, in a very literal sense and looking at the DNA that Jesus was the son of Abraham and the son of David uh, due to Mary, uh, possibly being uh, the great, 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 you name it, uh, granddaughter of Abraham and David. And so know without a doubt that Jesus legally uh, from the line of David and the line of Abraham. Top of that, many presume that Mary descended from the line of Abraham. The, the line of David and Abraham as well. So thus Jesus would have that blood. And so to me, that's proof. This is proof here. And Matthew going through the genealogy of Jesus, Luke going through the genealogy of Jesus, that yes, he is the offspring of Abraham. And so when God told Abraham all the way back 2,000 years ago, but before the time of Jesus, that your offspring Abraham would bless all the nations of the earth, I think without a doubt, God was talking about Christ Jesus. That Christ Jesus would bless all the nations of the earth. And because of that, hope is here. And hope is here to stay. We live in a broken world full of dishonesty. But the good news for us, the reason why we can have hope is that in the midst of the, diston the, 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 the dishonesty that we are surrounded by on a daily basis, we serve a faithful God who keeps his word. He told Abraham 2,000 years before Christ Jesus was a twinkle in Mary's eye, <laughs> He told her, or he, he told Abraham, excuse me, he told Abraham that your offspring would bless all the nations of the earth. And God kept his word. He fulfilled that covenant. And you can trust 
that God will keep his word. I won't say that he's a man of his word because he's not a man. We, we're going to have to come up with a new term that he's a God of his word. But he's a God word. He, he is faithful through it all, throughout all of your trials, throughout all of your tribulations. You can be assured that you serve a faithful God who keeps his word. Uh, I've uh, opened up, uh, I hesitate to say this, uh, I've opened up uh, to just a couple of people uh, that uh, this past year, it's been a long, uh, hard, uh, stressful uh, year for me. But at the end of the day, personally, I can hang my hat on the fact that I can do all things through the offspring of Abraham who gives me strength because I serve a God who tells me that if I remain faithful to him, he will reward me with eternal life. And I can trust that word because he has never failed his word to this point. And I'm 100% convinced he will never fail his word. And so in the midst of the trials and tribulations that I go through, I can hang my hat that I serve a faithful God that tells me that I can have eternal life. I'm willing to go through hell and back for 20, 40, 60, 80, 100 years, you name it, if that means that I can experience everlasting life in his coming kingdom, the reward to me is so much worth it. Infinite years is a lot longer than 20, 40, 60, 80, or 100 years. So I wanna give you hope this Christmas season. There are a lot of people here in this room are going through times of trials and tribulations. You look at our prayer requests, we have lots, uh, lots of our loved ones going through difficult times. But I wanna give you guys all hope that in the midst of whatever pain you're going through, whether that's physical pain, whether it's emotional, spiritual, mental, heartache, weariness, you name it, you can hang your hat on the fact that we serve a faithful God who keeps his word. And that faithful God, so that he will bless you through the offspring of Abraham, through Christ Jesus. And if we stay the course, if we remain faithful to God and his son, Jesus Christ, God tells us we will have everlasting life. And that is something that I'm going to put my faith in. For he is a God who, who, who is faithful, who keeps his word, keeps his promises, keeps his assurances. So I want you to know this Christmas season... Hope is here. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Father, I thank you in the midst of the stress, the pain, the turmoil, the heartache, the weariness that we experience in this 20, 40, 60, 80, 100 years, and whatever number of years that we have Father, I pray that we can hang our hats on the fact that you've promised us eternal life. You've given us the gift, the free gift of eternal life through your son, Christ Jesus, through the offspring of Abraham. And Father, I pray that no matter what anyone is going through here, Father, no matter what pain, no matter what heartbreak, I pray that we can reflect on the hope that we have as your children, children of a faithful God who keeps his word. Thank you for that. We love you. It's in Christ Jesus' precious name.
and holy and powerful name. And God's church said, amen.